Trying to score from the plug today I sure could use a shot Zannies are helping but I need more Guess I'll smoke some pot I'm about to go insane Sometimes I need to go where everybody does cocaine And we always find a vein I want to fix and do some blow The troubles will go away I want to be where everybody does cocaine You should you dope, I'll smoke some crack Junkies are all the same I want to be where everybody does cocaine. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Oro Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu and Silver Lake, and somewhere in Western Los Angeles. Oro was created by our old friend Bob Forrest and his old friends, Evan, Jared, and Bob. Their mission, to create a rehab that treats addicts and alcoholics with compassion and connection rather than control. Their staff has decades and decades and decades and decades and decades of experience in treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI. They make sure your detox is as comfortable as possible, which is so important in the, the withdrawal detox period. They have amenities you wouldn't believe. The fucking equine therapy, surfing, sound bath meditation, of course, the spiritually potentially transformative sweat lodge. The most important thing is that everybody that I know that has been there uh, has done really well and really enjoyed their time there. So if you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny Southern California, I highly suggest going to Oro. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Sober Buddy. Sober Buddy is amazing, totally available to help you getting or staying sober. If you don't know about Sober Buddy, he's the little blue fluffy guy you may have seen in sober memes on Instagram or Facebook. I love the Sober Buddy app because it not only gives you challenges that help you get sober, it helps you think differently about your life. It has a sober tracker down to the second. Daily check-ins that give you advice based on your mood, cute motivational memes, and helpful tips too. Over 60,000 people have already used Sober Buddy to help them to get sober, and they have been featured in over 70 news stories. The Sober Buddy app is available in both iTunes and Google Play stores, and you can check out their website at YourSoberBuddy.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our good friends at SoberLink. As we all know, addiction is a serious issue that needs to be addressed. Nearly 15 million people in the U.S. have an alcohol use disorder, and that's alcohol only, not other drugs. Only 10% of them get treatment. This can be attributed to the stigma that surrounds addiction and how people don't want to talk about it. 
Soberlink supports the no-judgment zone that is dopey and strives to erase the stigma of alcohol addiction. Their remote alcohol monitoring tool has helped over 500,000 people to be more accountable in their sobriety. The Dopey Podcast was started with open and honest conversations about addiction and recovery, and Soberlink encourages this to help rebuild trust and maintain sobriety. We've teamed up with Soberlink to create a healthy habits guide for those in recovery. Visit www.soberlink.com slash dopey to download the guide and if you or someone you know can benefit from accountability for alcohol recovery you'll also find a form on that page to sign up for 50 bucks off exclusive to folks in the dopey nation let soberlink help you to stay off of the sauce really important everybody out there you guys need to know about the dopey nation zoom the Dopey Nation Zoom is seven days a week. It's totally free. It is run by members of the Dopey Nation. There's AA meetings, NA meetings, Dharma, fucking, they talk about whatever, whatever you guys want to talk about. It is run by and for the Dopey Nation. There's over 25 meetings a week. The schedule is posted. The ID is always 804 300 586. The password is toodles, all in lowercase. Go see your brethren in the Dopey Nation at the Dopey Nation Zoom. Always free, every day. Support the show. Go to fucking Patreon. Help me get out of the fucking deli. There's so much good shit on Patreon. This week, I put something different on Patreon every day. Put Aurora talking about euphoria. I put B. Getz talking about Jerry Garcia. I put an Ask Aaron putting something else today. Every day of the week is amazing Patreon shit. And don't forget the Patreon Zoom. Get me out of the fucking deli. Join Patreon. And while you're joining Patreon, you could do something for free for yourself. Subscribe to Dopey YouTube. There's so many of you guys and so few of you watching YouTube. So go to Dopey YouTube, hit subscribe, like the videos, give me some self-esteem, and thank you. Also, buy Dopey Gear. What the fuck? We have so much good gear, it's ridiculous. Fucking new long sleeves, hoodies, fucking hats. We are partnered with a company in Cincinnati called SRO Prints. They can do your their printing for you. If you need printing, contact SRO Prints at SROprints.com and um, buy some dopey gear. Don't be a stranger. And if you buy dopey gear, post some pictures of it. And if you want a Big Bird beanie, dopey snapback, oive snapback, praying mantis socks, or Big Bird socks, message me on Instagram, and I will work out how you get the stuff. Enough with the ads. Here's the fucking show. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. And my name is Dave, and I'm alone in my father's kitchen. He is in Florida. He had a successful knee surgery. If anybody was concerned, my dad is good. Hope you guys are well. It's a beautiful day in New York City. It's like spring is back, which feels really, really good. I just met this guy. And he told me he works for a delivery service that only delivers psychedelics. And I'm blown away. He delivers mushrooms. 
And he says DMT vape pens. And for a second, I was like, yo, can you give me a DMT vape pen? But then I was like, what am I doing? So that was interesting. And I had just had a conversation with another guy who has psychedelics as part of his recovery program. And it's just like all of these psychedelics, all this weed, it's all over the place. You know, um, I didn't go to a lot of meetings this week, so maybe I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. But I did go the other day and we read the book and the book, it was the something that Chris used to always talk about in the book about mining the limitless load. And uh, we always used to talk about the limitless load. And you can achieve the limitless load if you constantly do the work and you constantly give all the profits away. So no DMT vaping for me this week. No mushrooms, no bud, no nothing, but the limitless load because we're giving it all away. That's, and that's my big recovery message to you guys. And then like this other thing happened that I really wanted to tell you guys about. And I don't know if you guys are going to think this is funny or not, but to me it was really funny. Last week I had to scout two cafeterias for Katz's. And uh, it was pouring rain, you know, rainy snow kind of thing. And the first one was a big, you know, Warner, Warner Media at Hudson Yards. It was huge. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a gigantic building. And I get there and I scouted the place, whatever. And then I'm like, I'm going to walk to the next place, which was supposed to be 345 Park Avenue South. But in my mind, I forgot that it was Park Avenue South. So I walked up to 345 Park Avenue and it's pouring and like I'm drenched and, and my shoes are soaking and it's cold. I was like, I need to get an umbrella. So I went to CVS and I don't know, it was packed with kids and I went to get an umbrella and I see this kind of cool looking plaid big umbrella that has that Burberry pattern. I don't know if you guys know about Burberry or Burberry, but Burberry or Burberry is a very, very swanky brand and they make shoes and sneakers and umbrellas and, and handbags and it's scarves and it's really expensive. And I didn't even realize that I was wearing a Burberry patterned knockoff scarf that I bought for five bucks. And I see the umbrella not realizing that I'm wearing the scarf and I pick it up and I realize it's filthy and it's in an umbrella case and it, and it says like free Walton on the umbrella. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, why do they have an umbrella with writing on it? Maybe I can get a discount. So I go to the guy and I'm like, yo, this umbrella has writing on it. Do you think you can give it to me cheap? And he's like, we don't sell those umbrellas here. And I was like, that's weird. And uh, I was like, can I just take it? And he's like, I don't know. And I was like, all right, let me, let me find the manager. And he points me to the manager. And I said, I, said, I found this umbrella. He's like, we don't sell those umbrellas here. And I was like, I know. Uh, can I buy it cheap? And he's like, uh, and I was like, can I just take it? And he's like, yeah, just take it. So I take it. I take the case off. I throw the case out with like pen writing on it. And I start walking to the next spot. And I called up my good friend, uh, Ray Brown, downtown Ray Brown. And I'm telling him about the umbrella. And he's like, well, maybe it's a real Burberry umbrella. And I look into the umbrella. It's a real Burberry umbrella. And he starts Googling it, and it turns out the umbrella that I found at CVS is worth 450 bucks. And it's like, like, how could that have happened? Why would someone just put a, 
a used Burberry umbrella in the CVS umbrella case? I guess we'll never know. I think it's one of the, the, the mysteries of the universe that we'll never know. Um, I don't even know why I told you guys that story. It seemed very relevant. I've been thinking about it that I wanted to tell you guys this story, but I don't know if it is relevant. I'm going to read you an email, and then we have an interview with this uh, singer, this musician, heavy metal musician, hair rock musician. His name is Jack Russell. He was in the great uh, hair band called Great White. And if you're not familiar with Great White, their big song was Ma, 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 I'm once bitten, twice shy, babe. Anyway, that was their big song. I, I, I liked that song in 1991. I'm not a big hair metal guy, but I really like that, that, that jam. Anyway, here we go. Here's an email. Uh, I like this email. He says, hi, Dave, and I feel I want to address this to Aaron, too. I want to say thank you uh, for six consecutive days alcohol-free. I have not done this since I have fallen into dependency in 2017. The Dopey Podcast has been the core of my momentum so far. The Daily Reflections have been the guiding light in these very dark initial days. It has become my new morning meditation to wake up before the fam, go out in the living room with my favorite blankets and pet, which is his cat, and listen to Dave and fucking Howie and other amazing guests hash out the day's words. Even yesterday, when I had my biggest, my biggest, my biggest challenge yet in recovery, I, find my, I found myself praying on what that day's reflection was about. It helped me. I just want to reach out with gratitude for all the work you guys put into Dopey. I have not found the words yet to fully express it, so one day I hope I can. Here's to caffeine-free Diet Coke, my hot, supportive wife, and maybe a joint here or there to help with withdrawals. Fucking toodles for Chris. And he doesn't leave his name. It's amazing that anybody gets out of the anything out of the Daily Reflections, especially from Howie. Um, if you guys like, I mean, and that's a, a big thing. I should tell you guys to subscribe to YouTube, join Patreon, be a part of the Dopey Nation. Go to the Dopey Nation Zoom. I'm going to read one more email, and then we're going to get to this interview. Hold on. Here we go. You ready? Uh, this is a story. Uh, I'll try and keep this short, he says. About a year ago, I was running some pills up on the Upper West Side pretty late on a random Wednesday night after I left this girl's apartment dropping off the goods. I heard this woman across the street yelling at me, no one else was outside, so I nervously wait for her to approach me. She was visibly fucked up and stumbling around. She asked me if I could help her find a cab because she was too fucked up. I said, sure, and she shortly after told me she wasn't just drunk, but just took a bunch of ecstasy and asked if I wanted some. Oh, God. I had work early the next morning and had the awareness to not take MDMA six hours before I had to be at work. She then asked if I wanted to smoke some crack instead. I couldn't say no to that. And in the middle of 6th Avenue, she pulls out her rocks and pipe and we light up. As people... I don't know where 6th Avenue on the Upper West Side is, though. Anyway, as people pass by giving us judgmental looks, she yells out, it's National Crack Day. And it's legal to smoke crack in the streets in case they wanted to join us. She then decided she just wanted me 
to walk her to the crack house and give me her stuff to carry the crack, her pipe and some groceries. We started to pass on New York, uh, NYPD, New York police department. And she could see me getting nervous. Then she yelled to the cops, happy national crack day. And they just rolled their eyes at her. She told me those cops knew her all too well. They brought in, they brought her in multiple times trying to get her to snitch on dealers, but she just took the free meal and cigarettes and denied using drugs. So they gave up on dealing with her. So we smoked crack in front of the New York PD and nothing happened. She invited me to go into the crack spot with her and I could sell more Fent pills in there, but I had to get back to Brooklyn so I could make it to my job as a school teacher. She thought that was hilarious. I kind of regret not going into the crack house. I'm now almost five months clean and going strong. According to Facebook, the woman is trying to get clean but struggling. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and toodles for Chris. He didn't say he was a fentanyl dealer until the very end. That's a very, very interesting story. Listen, dude, I don't know who this is from. I'm not, Actually, I do. He didn't say I couldn't say his name. His name is Gunner. So, Gunner, what about the fentanyl part? Why don't you give us some fentanyl selling part of the story? But I do really appreciate uh, the email. If you guys are out there and um, willing to send in an email or a voicemail, send it to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Both of you guys deserve socks. So Gunner and the anonymous Instagram message, please send me your addresses. You get socks, which is very exciting. I also got this video just now from somebody in Australia, and I think I have to play it. I'm going to play it. I think she sent it because I was talking about, I think I had read another email where someone was talking about withdrawing and listening to Dopey, and I was like, if you're withdrawing and listening to Dopey, uh, please send in something. And she sent in a video. I think she's naked. Or she's not, or I don't know. It looks like she's naked to me. I can't really see anything. It's a lovely message, though. Her nudity notwithstanding. And uh, I think she's from Australia. But here we go. Hi, Dave. Um, hey, Dopey Nation. Um, I suppose I just want to, um, yeah, like my memories of listening to episode after episode after episode after episode. Like I would wake up and I'd probably gone through like four episodes or something of um you know dopey because you know I was withdrawing or I was hanging out or um you know I didn't have enough or I wanted more or you know I was anxious in some way or jonesing out or didn't wasn't gonna have enough for the morning or you know something like that and um, you know, I was introduced to Dopey uh, about 2016, I think. I went to a rehab and this guy um, told me about it. And as soon as I listened to it, I was just, I just, I don't, I don't know, I just fell in love. Like I, I fell in love with both of you, like just your, you know, just how you would, you know, like your banter and, and Dave, you just, you're very talented and um, I love your songs, like I love them and um you know, you're passionate and um, Chris was just amazing and um, yeah, I felt his pain and um, I don't know, I've been such a big fan of Dopey forever, I talk about it all the time, I tell people to listen to it and watch it and um, yeah, heroin was my drug of choice and um, I'm two and a half years clean now and um, yeah, I still listen to it, I still love it 
Um, I think there's only been one episode I didn't like. It was probably because I didn't like the guy. He was a little bit preachy. Um, but yeah, um, many nights you've got me through. Um, many plane trips you've got me through. Many cleaning jobs you've got me through. And um, I just really appreciate you, Dave. I really appreciate you and Chris for finding each other and sharing yourselves with the world. To fucking toodles for Chris and um, toodles for you, Dave. Bye, Dopey Nation. Now that message, not only was it exciting that she was, I don't know, I think she was a, a bit naked, I think. Who knows? It's weird that I don't even know if she was naked. Her name is Nay or Nai, it's N-A-Y-E. I think she's from Australia. She says, be safe, be love, and just be. Well, thank you, Nay, for that message. It really was very beautiful. I'm glad you like my songs. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad that there's people that listen to Dopey while kicking or in recovery or that they just listen. It, it blows me away. It really does. I know I say that all the time, but it really blows me away. The other day, right, I'm at Katz's and we we're going to go, I think we we're going to a party and I get there and I actually brought extra stickers that day because I was going to put up dopey stickers around the city and I get there and um, I hadn't been to Katz's in a bit. I've been mostly working remotely on the phone and on the computer and whatever and there was this young woman and I'm sitting there talking to one of my friends at Katz's, actually Alex, who's been on the show. We're talking about this or that. And this woman comes up to me, young, uh, vivacious, blonde woman. And she comes up to me and she says, uh, aren't you? She goes, aren't you Dave from Dopey? She was English. And I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> I was like, and I was just blown away. And then I was like, I was like, I have some stickers. Do you want some Dopey stickers? And I gave her the stickers. And then uh, she went and sat down at a table nearby. And I started talking to Alex again. But I was so like blown out that this English woman was at Katz's and recognized Dopey and she listened to the show. And uh, so I interrupted Alex. I was like, wait a sec, Alex. And I started asking her questions. And it turns out she was a BBC producer and her friends were BBC producers. And Alex got so angry at me that I like I shut him down to pay attention to her that he, he wouldn't shut up about that for the rest of the whole fucking week. Every time anyone showed up, he would tell them how like I wasn't cool because I shut him down. He wound up walking away. Um, but that was a, a very, very exciting experience. And I gave her the dopey stickers and I was hoping the BBC would do another feature on dopey, but uh, I haven't heard back from her, but it was very exciting. Anytime I run into somebody from, the doposphere, I'm, I'm blown out. And that means we're about to, to do DopeyCon 3. I haven't figured out when. I haven't figured out where. But I know it's going to blow me out. It's going to blow me away. Who Who's going to come? If you are a Dopey listener and you're going to come to DopeyCon 3 in New York City sometime between May and September, write an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. Tell us uh, where you want it, what you want it, how you want it. There will be special guests. You know, Ray is definitely going to come. He's probably going to organize the whole thing. He's definitely going to do a song. It's going to be a great and glorious return of Ray Brown. And I don't know. I'm very excited. I'm very excited. And I just want to tell you guys, before we get to this interview with Jack Russell, 
you need to know that this episode of Dopey is brought to you by BetterHelp.com. So yes, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I've been doing online therapy again, and I love it. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. Dopey is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Dopey Nation people get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash DopeyPodcast. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash DopeyPodcast. Honestly, I've been in therapy since, since Sam quit, since January. I've been in therapy, and I'm doing great. Therapy has been great for me, and it's all been online. So get the 10% off at BetterHelp. Uh, take care of your mental health, you guys. What the fuck? And I forgot to say that in the end, um, I went back to Katz's weeks later with the Burberry umbrella and my fake Burberry scarf, and everybody thought that I was quite the dandy. Very impressed with my Burberry. And don't forget, we have the amazing Dopey Candles with our collaboration with North Ave Candles. So many cool candles, six different ones to choose from. NorthAveCandles.com slash collections slash Dopey. They're really, really high quality, delicious smelling candles. So please check it out and buy some. Anyway, here's Jack Russell. He was the lead singer in Great White. He has an incredible story. So here we go. Jack Russell. Uh, I was not the biggest hard rock fan in the 80s. I was a kid, you know, what the fuck. But I did love our next guest's band because your band was super bluesy. and, uh, And super rootsy. And his name is Jack Russell. His band was called Great White. Welcome to the show, Mr. Russell. Thank you very much. Just call me Jack, though. I was okay. I was. I, I don't think I was going to say Mr. Russell again. I was just trying. <laughs> just trying to make it sound good there. Is that a formal? There you go. That's all right. I appreciate it. So, don't you think? Would you say that you're and, and you guys came up that you guys had a much rootsier sound than your contemporaries? Oh, absolutely. I think um, you know us, and you look at a band like Cinderella, for example. You know, more, a lot more blues, a lot more grassroots. You know, not a, uh, not so polished and 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 um, you know, there was no like, kind of like glam, uh, thing going on with us. We were just, you know, uh, of course we had long hair and we wore the clothes, but I mean, you know, that was pretty much as far as it went. We weren't all about the image so so much, you know. I wasn't. I was never like a magazine cover darling, you know. What I mean. Right. Um, I was just a singer, you know, and um, so I mean that that lended a lot of credence, I think, to the band's um, survival. I mean, you know, there's still there's two versions out right now. We're both able to tour and and make a living, so it says something about the the band's following, you know. Well, the sound was fucking great. I was just listening to a little Great White before you called, and uh, your singing is amazing. And I I always like bands that that have blues roots. I love that you had a piano. Fucking, was it weird to be in that kind of scene between all those other bands and be so rootsy, or was it not even a thing? 
No, it wasn't even a thing. I never, I really never thought twice about it. I just, you know, kind of, I knew that we were different. I knew that the band was, you know, uh, not like following suit with everybody else. But that was, you know, to me, that was a good thing. You know, I mean, I didn't want to be anything but what we were. You know, it wasn't like I was trying to write songs that were, were like flavor of the month or, or you know, in vogue or what was contemporary and cool. You know, I just wrote what I thought I liked and, and hopefully other people would like it too, you know. Yeah. I wrote for myself, you know, we wrote songs for ourselves. We didn't write for anybody else. Now, the the song that I heard that probably millions of people heard before they heard anything else was uh, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, like big hit. Why? I never even understood the expression. Like, what does the expression mean? Well, once was like once burnt, you know, you, you get burned once, you're afraid to put your hand back toward the fire. You know what I mean? Right. You'll be shy. You, if you, if you get, yeah, hit, exactly. if you get bitten, you're going to be like cautious the next time. Cautious. Exactly. That's exactly what it means. Which is like what so, we you know, want to be. Chick screws, chick screws you over. You're like, okay, I'm not, maybe not going to jump so fast in the next relationship, you know? Right. That's a fucking rough thing with addiction though. Because like we can get burned mm-hmm. over and over and over again in the addiction, and, and be we like, still keep sticking our hands back in there. Yeah, it's like maybe this time yeah. it's going to be different. Yeah, like a bunch of dope fiends. Exactly. <laughs> when when do you think? Uh, when's the first time you got high? Uh, when I was eleven. What was the situation? What was it? Uh, weed? Let's see. No, no, it was actually alcohol. Okay. Alcohol. I was with a friend of mine, and uh, he had stole a bottle of. Uh, what was it? Yukon Jack mm. from the liquor store. And um, we decided to drink it. No, it was a really bad idea. But, I mean, before I got sick, um, it was great. I was just, <laughs> I was like, I'm here. I've arrived. You know, I've, I've, I've come to Nirvana. I've like, experienced heaven on earth. You know, it was uh, just the most, it was the coolest thing I've ever done. And uh, so after that, you know, it wasn't about whether I wanted to experiment. I was just like full tilt boogie, you know, let's go. What, what do you got? I became a trash can, you know, um, just whatever. Just like, you know, you wouldn't even ask what it was. I said, you want some of this? I don't even care. What, what was it I just took, you know? So if, just take it. if you're drinking at 11, when does the trash can really start to open up? Uh, really at about... 13, I was, I was into LSD. I started getting into LSD at 13. So that shows you how rapidly it progressed. You know, pot and the PCP and, the, you know, cannabinol. And cannabinol? Wait, was, hold on. What's cannabinol? Well, it usually, it's, I think, I believe it's PCP only in powder form and you snort it. But it was a different high than PCP. So people used to call it cannab, you know, short for cannabinol. And, um, I, I haven't seen that stuff in, in years. I mean, in years since I was in high school. So who had you the cannabinol in high school? Uh, just dealers. Guys would have it. I don't know where they got it from. They just got it from uh, wherever they get, wherever this stuff comes from. You know, and I think, I, I believe it was just PCP, but in powder form. That's what I think it was. And I know it was you... a different high, though, than PCP. So when you smoked, it was a completely different high. So I, could, I always thought they were different drugs. But, you know, looking back... I can find no record of, <laughs> of cannabinol. Like, you know, yeah, I can't find anything on the internet or like, you know, what's cannabinol? You know, it just says, oh, it's an ingredient in pot that, you know. We've so, done like, we've so. done like 350 episodes of this show and no one has never ever, heard that. No one's ever mentioned cannabinol. It's never come wow, up. Wow, what a trip. What a trip. So, congratulations. Yeah, my, everyone in high school would be able to go, oh, yeah, I remember that stuff. Oh, yeah. 
It's funny though, because yeah. sometimes like we name drugs, like we we give drugs a nickname. That oh no, yeah, like two nose of rainbows and you know, totally. stuff like that. Yeah. Were you black uh, beauties? Yeah, black beauties. But were you ever? Uh, were you you were singing way before you were getting high though, right? Oh yeah, I was singing. Um, I started singing in my uh, school choir when I was like five. And, and I started my first band when I was eleven. So it was right around the same time, you know. And how 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 enmeshed how enmeshed was uh the trash can the using with the band? Like was that in your head? Like did you look at like Led Zeppelin, for example, or any of those crazy Rolling Stones or you know, Grateful Dead as like rock and roll drug taking heroes? No, no, you know, not really. I mean I didn't uh I never really thought much about that. I never put the drugs and the, and, the, and the singing together so much. I mean, like when I sang, I was generally sober because I always did a better job, you know? So I never really got high and then went on stage too much. I mean, you know, later on in my career, you know, there were certainly uh, stretches of that where that was a, a rule I broke, right. you know, which videos will attest to. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but for, for the most of my career, for the, for the better part of it, you know, I never uh, mixed the two. I was sober when I sang, and you know. I didn't I really mean. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really mean like performing high. I meant more like. Oh, you mean like put? Oh, like, like mentally put them together, like attributed to like, well, like if I get higher, I better. And well, just and like the scene, you know, like I played in cooler. bands and I wanted to get fucked up, like I was a rock star. You know what I mean when I played. You know what I mean? That oh was, yeah. Well, I, I see. I just got fucked up because I like to get fucked up. It had nothing to do with me being a musician. Right. Right. You know I mean. Yeah. And I mean, I would have been getting high whether I was a musician or I was a mechanic. Yeah. You know? It's like, I just, that was just my thing. It was like part of who I was, you know, and I, and I realized at a very young age that this was going to be, you know, something in my life that was going to be long-term, you know? When did that sort of hit you that it was going to be something long-term? Well, the minute I got loaded, I was like, this is here. And I'm not, I just couldn't, I never thought about my life being any different than, than, than what it was. I, it's kind of like when you, you you first realize you're eating food, you know, because you need to eat. You know what I mean? You never think about it, but all of a sudden you just you just find yourself eating all the time. Then you realize that, you know, you're going to keep doing this your whole life, no matter what. I had, I, I had that. You what I'm saying. You know, I do. I had that experience with weed and I had that experience with uh, heroin and I had that experience with pills that I knew when I, when I, when it hit me that I really didn't want to be without them, you know, like that, yeah, that yeah. living without them was going to be way harder and that living with them was going to make everything much easier. Um, oh, absolutely. And that was alcohol at first for you. What, what were like, when you talk about smoking PCP or the cannabinols or, or acid, like which, which were the drugs that you were like, this is something that's going to make my life easier. Um, well, God, I mean, every drug I've ever taken, I, I absolutely loved. Um, still, I mean, if I go in for surgery, I'm looking forward to having them put me to sleep. I understand. Just for that one second rush. Yeah, I was talking it's to my freebie, wife. You know? I was talking to my wife today. She wants to go to the dentist, right? 
and she's looking for a dentist. And I was like, oh, no, I said, well, what are you looking for in the dentist? And uh, because I'm thinking like my dentist kind of is shorting me on nitrous these days. And I'm kind of interested in finding a dentist that's going to that's going to give me the nitrous. Um, I'm exactly the same way. When you go to the dentist now, do you do do you take the nitrous or no? No, I don't. Never. No, I haven't in a long time. And when you get that, I used to, I used to, I mean, whenever chance I could, I I went to a guy specifically because he would max it all the way out all the time. So, you know, you got my business. It was expensive too. It wasn't like I had dental insurance. Dental insurance doesn't any good anyway. So, I mean, you know, you know how good dental insurance is. Yeah. So you end up paying through the, paying through the ass. Paying through the teeth. You know, yeah. Paying through the teeth. (laughs) The ideal dentist. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So when did you, before we get into the the heart of great white and your ride to to sobriety, when did you decide that you don't want to get nitrous at the dentist? That was probably about two years ago. I just, you know, I went to the dentist and I got some nitrous and got kind of like a headache. And I was like, you know, what am I doing this? You know, I mean, I don't do anything else. I mean, this is like my last hold on getting loaded. Like, you're just, you're kind of cheating. You know what I mean? Yes. And it's like, just knowing that I'm looking forward to it is telling me that I'm getting high. I'm not using this because I need to use it. You totally. Know, does it make my, does it make the experience more pleasant? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Does it make me want to go to the dentist and find reasons that I need to go to the dentist, but I really don't need to? Yes. So that was like, okay, well, this is stupid. Right. You know, I'm, I'm doing this for the completely wrong reason. So obviously it, it's not a good thing. You know, I'm just lying to myself. So pursuing you know, so dentistry. We're, all, we're very good at it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I never we're, went we're that all far. Very good at that. Cause I hated, I just fucking hate the guy's hands in my mouth so much. Like, but I have like this fantasy of going to the dentist and getting the nitrous and like listening to dark side of the moon as though it's a freebie. You know what I mean? Like putting my headphones right, on yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and just like sitting back and, and just drifting off. Yeah, I could, I could dig that. Yeah. But, um, let's get back into the more important story. Also, before we get back to the more important story, what about like, if you have a cold, like I, I like, I never talk about this with recovering people. Um, what, like, what's your take on NyQuil or, or, or Tylenol PM or any of that shit? Tylenol PM, I don't take it because it doesn't do anything. It doesn't work I mean, uh-huh. as far as for a cold. I mean, um, I don't really take cold medicines per se, um, uh, unless it's like Mucinex or something like that, you know, which is uh, just glyphenicin, which is nothing. I mean, it's just a denuclear. Um, but uh, NyQuil, well, I mean, you know, NyQuil's got alcohol in it. So if you're an alcoholic, well, you're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to drink alcohol. Right. So, so, you know, so back no, when I used to take NyQuil, I didn't, I wouldn't take it, no. So is this the stupidest interview you've ever had so far? We're 12 minutes not and 50 seconds Absolutely in. not. Okay. Just, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Just, this is great. I just want to make sure you're still with me. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you're in high school. You're, you're, what's the first band called? Oh, let's see. God, it was called. We didn't even have a name. We didn't even get around to having a name. It was like so short-lived. Then it evolved into another band that was called Rotation. It's the most ridiculous name I've ever heard. In Wait, my life. Rotation? Rotation, yeah. What is and, that? And the, it's like that's what I kept saying. And the bass was like, you know, it's like rock and roll, but like rotating, <laughs> like rotation. You okay, know, like yeah. a record, like a record rotation yes. on a turntable. Yes. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. Not right. Too much cannabis. So right. yeah, yeah, it was just that cannabis really good, man. Keep snoring that. 
So like what you only sang, right? You have a great voice too. Yeah. It's like Thank ridiculous. You. Ridiculous. Thank I was just listening to you do uh Babe I'm gonna leave you. It's like fucking crazy. Like that no, thanks, dude. It, it is so good. And and just so I wanna tell the audience, like Great White put out like four records, five records. Oh no, we put out more than that. We put out let's see, got twelve. Twelve records. Levums, and maybe, and then I've got another one in 2017. Jack Russell's Great White. Um, so, but, so about thirteen or so. There's, there's more of them if you want to count the greatest hits albums, stuff like that. But okay, there's a ton of records. Albums. But I, yeah, there's a lot of records. I just discovered the Led Zeppelin records, and like, yeah, we just released a new one. I know, actually, actually. it's amazing. I, these records, like. Your records are great. I'm a big Led Zeppelin fan, and to hear someone approach the music the way you do is is just super fun for me. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, we, you know, I just love playing songs. I don't care, you know, to cover songs or there are my own songs, good songs, a good song, and if I want to sing it, I want to sing it. I don't care what anybody says. Absolutely. You know, how can you put that cover on your album? Well, I can decide from the keys if I'm getting scratched. I, <laughs> totally. I like the song. Totally. Now, if you're not getting fucked up and singing, but you're becoming an alcoholic and a drug addict, how does that work? How do those things go together? Well, it's, uh, it was difficult. I mean, you know, because when I go on the road, I have to be sober. But my ego is such that, you know, I wouldn't let myself perform at any level unless it was, you know, my 100% as best that I could do at every occasion. So I'm not going to do something that's going to impinge upon that, you know, um, so I would I would stay sober. I'd just quit smoking. Um, I'd stop all the drugs and booze and go on the road for nine, ten months or whatever it was. And um, you know, and then after the last show, I'd walk off the stage. My roadie would have a, an open bottle of Jim Beam in his hand, a lit cigarette, and then be an ounce of blow in the dressing room. And then it was on. It was on until we had to go make the next record. And what what kind of window yeah. was that? Um, usually I have like generally a good three months off, probably. You know, just where I would just get fucked up every single day. Don't you think you that's know? so interesting to be sober for nine months out of the year uh, to be professional and then three months are balls to the wall? Um, that's just oh, it's a, crazy. It's crazy. Especially people couldn't understand the cigarette thing, how I could do that. Like, how do you just stop smoking? You know, like two weeks before tour, I just stopped cigarettes. Just wouldn't smoke one. We didn't think about it. And that and was just, that the, was the ego. The last show was over. Like how yeah, do you... Yeah, it was just, I just didn't want to go out there and suck. You know, I didn't want to hurt my voice and make me sound bad and look like an idiot in front of 10, 20,000 people every night, you know? That's incredible. I never heard that before. Is that like a classic rock and roll thing that I've never heard of? I've never heard anybody else doing it either. Either <laughs> they're sober or they're not, you know what I mean? Yeah, because all the classic stories are you go on tour, you get fucked up the whole time, you don't know where you're going... Uh, and, and you don't remember it. And then at the end you have a pile of money and you spent it all on drugs and booze and whatever. Right. Um, now wh did you tour, did you go on any of these debaucherous tours of the eighties? What do you mean? Like with these bands, like these bands that were all fucked up all the time, like as an alcoholic oh, yeah, and a drug addict. Yeah, of course. Yeah. They, they some, well, my, all my crew was like that. My band was like right. that. Shit, are you kidding me? So what my is that? My band was all fucked up. What is that like to be sober in that and not actually be sober? You're abstinent. You're dry, right? In those minutes. Yeah, totally. Totally. Absolutely nothing. 
So um, you know, it was not a big deal. I mean, you know, it, every once in a while, me and Kendall would get into a row because it'd be too fucked up, you know? Right. It'd be, I, I, I just told people don't get loaded on stage and I don't care. Do whatever you want when you're off stage, but on stage, I want you to be sober and have your shit together. You know what I mean? Or we're going to have a problem. So, you know, people want to stay in the band and want to keep their jobs and they, then they, you know, they toe the line, you know? And, um, of course, every once in a while, you know, a market screw up and it'd be, he'd be drunk on stage and, you know, screw the show up. And after the show, I'd be, you know, up his ass, like, you know, it, it, it would just be sick and ugly because I would just get really pissed off. I mean, there were several times where I almost punched him, you know, which is, I mean, as close friends as he used to be, that was like, you know, unheard of, you know? Yeah. Never lay a hand on the guy, you know? Now, as somebody who actually has a program now, right? And you look back on yourself in those nine month chunks, how different is it to be in like full on recovery versus the nine month touring abstinence? Oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's completely awesome. I mean, it, 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 I don't have to come home and, and feel like feel like crap for three months or however long and then have to, you know, wind myself off it. Cause the longer, you know, the longer, uh, or the older I got, the harder it was to stop. You know I mean, when it was, when I was younger, it was a lot easier just to say, okay, it's time to quit and then just stop. The older I got, it was harder. You know, it kept getting harder. And then I'd cheat. I'd smoke cigarettes every once in a while, you know, I'd have a couple of smokes on the road. And that was, you know, that was like, uh, the beginning, beginning of the end, you know? And then, uh, after, uh, it was after 1999, um, I just said, screw it. I was going through some bad relationship stuff. And, and uh, I went out um, from being sober. I just went right back into like the worst depths of depravity you could ever imagine. I mean, it was just worst sickest I've ever been. And uh, I, I told the guys at the band, I said, look, man, I'm going through some shit right now. And, and you know, you have to pardon me for a while, but I'm, it's it, the party flag is coming up for a little bit, you know. And they're all, it's okay. And then pretty much that gave you know, that, that, that let everybody's uh, cages open up and pretty much everybody started getting loaded again. You know, I, I had almost eight years sober and Mark was like a month behind me. And a month after I went out, he was gone too. He was, you know, back to day one, you know, and uh, we were just horrible. Me and the, the, the bass player and the drummer were smoking crack all the time and drinking. And, you know, here we're on the road in a tour bus and it's, you know, we're stopping off and going through all these horrible parts of town trying to find crack, you know. You know, it was just really disgusting. You so know. How and cracked then, out were you guys? Oh, it, it was an everyday thing. Right. Total total thing. cocaine crack addiction. Freebasing, yeah, just freebasing you know, all the time. Just you know, I cook it myself. We wouldn't really we usually go buy crack, you know, we'd we'd cook it ourselves, but it was say the same thing, you know. Yeah. And and so like when you got the 8 years in the middle of Great White. Yeah. And how when did you decide the first time that you needed sobriety? Uh it was 1992. Um I was just I remember I was with uh, uh a stepson at the time and um my uh, my wife at the time she was at work and I remember I didn't have any cash on me and um I went into my kid's piggy bank and I took out enough money to go get a six pack. And I came home that night and I was like, what the, you know, I mean, I, not, then I came home, but when I, when I got done drinking it later on that night, I, uh, I just felt so horrible about it. 
I just said, that's it, I'm done. I just, I just stopped drinking. That was it. I quit doing everything. You know. And was that, just, was, did you go to, did you go to 12 step at that point? No, I didn't actually call Steven Tyler and, uh, he helped me uh, get sober. I was, uh, we went up, uh, we went up to, uh, Santa Inez, which is up by Santa Barbara, California. And, um, we rented a big house up there and we pulled a mobile truck up to it. We were recording the psycho city album. So we were cut off from everything. So everybody, we were on this big fit and get trim and get, you know, get in good shape thing. So we had these, uh, catering company come up there that were making like all this really like, you know, tofu and vegetarian, vegan stuff. And, nice. you know, all this really, really good food and, and uh, exercising. And, you know, we were on 17 acres. It was up near Michael Jackson's Neverland, you know, and um, we were like right down the road from it. So there was plenty of places to go out and, you know, walk around the hills and ride horses and do that kind of stuff while people were recording their tracks, you know. And so, is that like the perfect way to get sober? It was great. Yeah, it was really, it worked for me. You know, I mean, I stayed sober for, like I said, almost eight years. Had he had you sober know? time when he did that or were you trying to get clean together? No, Kendall just, he just kind of... He fell in like a month after I got sober. He just decided to get sober too. No, I meant Steven you know, Tyler. Tyler? Oh yeah, Tyler had some time. Yeah. So he I'm was not like, sure how much time he, he had. was like, I want to shepherd you guys in. You know, you guys were, were bluesy hard rockers in the tradition of Aerosmith. Yeah, he, you know, we we got to be friends, and at the time, and and he was a, uh, you know, I I just I heard he'd gotten sober. You know, it was no it was no big news. Everybody knew about it, and and uh, I had a friend of mine uh, in sobriety that was really good friends with him and he hooked us up together and say, Hey man, Steve will help you out. You know? So, you know, he used to call me and check on me and ask me how I was doing. And, you know, we'd have long talks and, uh, he was really instrumental in me getting sober initially. That's awesome. And then, and then, so you're, you have, and that's optimum, right? You're in the Hills, fucking macrobiotic, vegan catering, whatever, you know, exercising, recording a record, the whole thing. Um, here, hold on. Yeah, it was perfect timing. Hold, I mean, hold on know, for was, one uh, second. My, my three-year-old, I think, my wife left. Hold on one <laughs> second. Give me one second. I'm sorry. No problem. I'm so sorry. Um, uh, no problem. Uh, my, wife, my wife took our older daughter to acting, left my younger daughter watching a scary movie about bugs. And, of course, she had to come in and I had to change the movie. Um, what were we talking <laughs> about? We were just talking about, oh, getting sober in the hills and, and, and making a record. And when, yeah, right. when does it lose its shininess? What, getting sober, you mean? That first run, like if you have eight years, you're, that, and, and the success is off the charts at that point, uh, when, when does it start? Like, it, do you think that the relapse happened because you, you weren't in 12-step, or what do you think it was about? Um, no, it was over my divorce. You know? mm. It just came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, for me anyway. I mean, it was like... You know, I didn't know it was like something that was growing in her, her consciousness, you know, um, but I, it just, for me, it was just a slap in the face. So it was just like, you know, I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do at the time. So um, I just went naturally to where do we go when it hurts? What do you do? How to make yourself feel better? You know, oh, I know what to do. I just start drinking. Right. Drinking. You know, I'll do coke. Drinking went right, right to the coke and instantly. It was the same exact night. I mean, it was like I went from from just from alcohol straight into freebasing like the same night. Boom. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Um, when you're when you're in the sober period, 
and you're on tour and it's a debaucherous scene, are you tempted or are you just grateful to not be tempted and not be in No, I'm not tempted at all at this point in my life. I'm just so happy to be away from it. Oh, no, no. I don't mean you know, now. I mean in that period. Oh, back and, then? And, yeah, in that eight years. Back then? No. Well, no, in eight years, no. I was never, never tempted. I was so happy to be uh, out from underneath it. You know, it was, uh, once I made that decision to do it, it was, there was like no turning back, you know. And this, um, that's just that's the way I am when I make a decision when I really decide to do something if I make a decision like a serious decision like okay this is no bullshit this is not you know um, you know I think I'm gonna it's like I look I know I'm gonna stop doing this or start doing that or whatever the case may be you know I'll, I'll get it done whatever it is I want to do I'll do it you know I'll accomplish my goal right you know, and, so, and it's the same thing for that, that relapse. The relapse was exactly that. You made a decision. You're like, fuck it. Exactly. Um, I said, fuck it. So that's what we end up doing. That's the two words that we say. That's what, that's what I think the alcoholics say, you know, or, or drug addicts, whatever you want to call them, you know, whatever you associate yourself with. You know, we just, we just finally get to that point. We just say, fuck it. You know. Can you give us a good, horrible story of the fuck it free base period? A good, horrible story? Yeah, sure. Um, I remember um, I was uh, up for like five or six days and um, smoking, smoking uh, free base. And um, I remember I was in the bathroom and I was looking at my face and I thought there was like worms under my skin. Uh, there was like, there was stuff coming out of my pores. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm sitting there picking my face and, you know, just picking at it and picking at it. And this went on for like hours. And the next morning, like hours later, my face was like one huge scab. I mean, like it was picked completely. Oh. Like it was one big open sore. And I had to go that day and get my passport photo. <laughs> so I ended up putting all this makeup on my face. My face is totally swollen. And... And I'm going down the passage, and people are staring at me, looking at me like, oh, you know, and uh, it was so embarrassing. And my passport photo was like this <laughs> constant reminder for 10 years, you know, <laughs> you have a passport for your whole life, you know what I mean? Right. It's like for 10 years, I had this passport photo. I was like, oh, my God. Every time I had to use it, I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> That's the greatest, like, reason to not freebase because you'll wind yeah, up thinking right, there's exactly. bugs under your face. Terrible. Yeah, exactly. What was, no, it was horrible, man. What was this? Like it's, you, it's from sleep deprivation. You start to hallucinate, you know? Total. And it's total so cocaine psychosis at the same time. It's the, exactly. It's, it's, it's the exactly. mix. And, and in that run, right, who are you touring with and where are you playing when you're at your worst drug-wise? Oh, um, I was at home at that time. That was, <laughs> that was, um, that was you know, we had some time off because... You know, I couldn't spend seven days smoking coke on the road. You know what I mean? Um, I'd have to sing at some point. Um, so, I mean, that's all I would do all day and all night. Just sit there in front of the TV with porno flicks. You know what I mean? Taking care of business and, and, and you know, smoking freebase, drinking. What was the story I read about you robbing coke dealers? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's back when I was, see, 18... I used to uh, get a gun from a friend of mine and uh, another guy would go with me and we'd go into a Coke dealer's house and we'd come in with ski masks on 
and then would go to the coke dealer and say, give me your coke or I'll blow your fucking head off. So they used to, uh, he used to, uh, they obviously acquiesced in my requests, um, and they would, uh, you know, hand it over and uh, would run out of the house, you know, and jump in the car and, and bail. You know, it was uh, pretty crazy then, but at the time it just seemed like a normal thing to do during the day, you know. I don't have any money, want to get some coke, here's a good idea. You know, it was, uh, it's crazy. And then I ended up uh, getting blacked out on PCP at one point and going into this guy's house and he wasn't home. And uh, I walked in the house and there was a maid in the backyard and I had smoked some PCP and I, and after after I noticed her in the backyard, I blacked out. I don't remember Every, everything from this point on. I'm gonna tell you okay. is stuff that this comes from the transcript from the court, right? Because I don't remember any of it. Okay. Anyway, so like I say, I've, I've told the story. You've already heard this story, but obviously you haven't heard the details. Um, anyway, so I uh, I went around the backyard apparently and walked outside, and I'm asking her. Where's the coke? You know what I mean? And she thought I was, a, she was a Vietnamese, and she thought I was a friend of the kids playing a joke on her. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she goes, no, coke, just Pepsi. Go to the refrigerator, help yourself. And this is back when the Saturday Night Live was on, and they used to have this skit that was, uh, no coke, Pepsi. Yeah, no, the no Belushi, the Greek, the Greek diner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 the, yeah the cheeseburger thing. Yeah. No cheeseburger, only hamburger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, so um, it would have been funny had it not been for that. You know what I mean? Oh, but, be- um, because of that, you you had a sense of humor about it. Yeah, well, I, I, at the time I was blacked out, but I'm just saying when I read the transcripts, I kind of <laughs> had a little chuckle, you know? Well, how but, much uh, PCP were you doing back then? When I read about uh, it, it didn't mention PCP in the story that I read. Oh, yeah. that's uh, Well, I wouldn't have shot the gun if I wouldn't have been on PCP. I would have, I would, as soon as I saw you wasn't home, I would have split. I mean, I'm not just going to ask maid where the coke is. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like some Vietnamese maids get to know where cocaine's at. You know, and she, what the hell is cocaine? What is, and what did you, you know. shoot? Uh, well, hey, anyway, here's the story. So I fucked up your story. We, I'm sorry, Jack. Forgive me. No, that's okay. We, uh, apparently, uh, we, we were starting wrestling around the backyard. She realized I was joking around. And then I was some crazy maniac and, and with a gun and she started wrestling with me and hustling. I mean, and, and the gun goes off and we're up the, we're up on the, behind the house by the pool and down the hill, the dad was down with the horses, I guess. And he looked up and he sees this guy in a ski mask, you know, wrestling with, and a gun wrestling with the maid. And, um, I don't mean like on the ground wrestling. I mean, like just tussling. I mean, like just grabbing the head, grabbing arms and trying to gain control of the gun, you know? And um, he ran. He said he ran upstairs, grabbed his briefcase full of money, and went into the bathroom and locked himself in. So apparently, we get inside the house, from what I understand, and she gets away from me and gets in the bathroom with him somehow. And they said I was pounding on the solid oak door and putting big cracks in it. And uh, the the apparently I, I shot through the door. They said. The bullet went through the door, hit a St. Christopher medallion on her chest, and ricocheted to her shoulder. Oh, my God. And saving her life and mine. I mean, I wake up on my knees on the floor with a gun in front of me in front of this door, not knowing what had happened. But 
um, I decided, oh, I hear the cops are outside. Come out, your hands up. Everybody's surrounded. And I hear these helicopters and shit. And so I go, okay, I'm going to unload the gun. I, I realized I remember where I was at. I go, oh, you have a dying house. I'm trying to, I came in to get coke. That's right. So I go, I'll unload the gun. They won't know it's loaded. It was loaded, so it won't be a big deal. That, that, that big of a deal, you know? So I unloaded the gun. I didn't know that I had shot two rounds off. I didn't even notice. I stuffed the bullets down the side of a waterbed. And, um, I went outside and uh, they they tackled me and they arrested me and they said, you know, what'd you shoot it for? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I, I could I couldn't even believe that I shot the gun. I'm going, well, I didn't shoot anybody. And um, I just remember hearing my dad's voice in my head going, one of these days you're gonna get all messed up on that stuff. You're gonna shoot somebody. Mm. And I used to laugh. I go, what are you talking? I didn't have a gun. I'm not gonna shoot somebody. And there I was, man. I just shot somebody. So I did uh, I did some time in jail. I got out. Um, there were a bunch of weird clerical mistakes and people breaking the rules. I got out. They gave me eight years. I got out in 11 months. Wow. A year later, I signed my first record contract. Amazing. Amazing. It's it's crazy. Truly. Your story is also fucking crazy because the level of, of addiction, the level of drug use, and the level of musical success, and the fact that the two didn't go together. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I heard a story about you like hanging out with uh, Guns N' Roses as they, as they recorded uh, Appetite for Destruction. Um, and like th- their scene, right. Was, uh, was using while they recorded, like it was built in to most hard rock scene, right? Like, were, did everyone yeah. just think you were a lunatic that you were this ridiculous drug addict, but did not mix it with, with performance or music or, or singing or anything? Yeah. It, it was, it was kind of people looking at me like a freak, you know, like, I don't know how you do that, man. I just can't understand how you do that. And was it ever, wow, it's amazing. Was it ever like you were in a situation with these guys using and you were just like, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, you, you, it wasn't even, I I can't not hold on to that because you're this young man. What do you think? Do you think it was just ego? Do you think some of it was that court case in your head that you knew that things could get too out of control? Um, no, because uh, even after I got out of jail, I mean, I, I eventually went back to using again, you know. Yeah. It wasn't, the, it wasn't like, you know, I was afraid of going back to jail again. Well, but then again, I mean, you know, when you, well, I used to have a drug problem, but then I had the money, right? <laughs> you know? Totally. Totally. Because the, the, the drug problem at first is not enough money for the drugs. Not enough money. That was the problem, yeah. Exactly. And then you have enough money. But it's like, I think your story is really interesting because you kind of toe the line over and over again. You know what I mean? Like, you don't step over yeah, the line. Yeah, I know. It's, def- it's definitely unusual. I mean, most people, are either you're on or you're off. You know, you're either on the train or you're off the train. You're not like kinda one foot on one foot on the Titanic and one on dry land, you know? So your, your relapse was like around, was it 2000 or 99? Or 2001? All right. 1999. And, uh, and how long did that go? That lasted, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, I want to say about, uh, let me think on that. I really got to put my, okay. take myself back. Please. <laughs> okay. I got, I just got to where I was just drinking at one point. I hooked up with a new uh, uh, girl, and um, I knew she wasn't going to put up with that shit. So, um, and 
I knew it was going to be a case of whether, you know, if I can't beat him, I'm going to join him. You know, <laughs> it was like, you know, fuck, smoke a coke out of your mind. Um, so I stopped doing anything but other than drinking for uh, quite a while. And then I got into prescription drugs because um, I hurt my back. And that was really the downfall. Then it got really out of hand. And I ended up going to Betty Ford and I was sober for uh, almost two years. And then I ended up going out again. Um, what what pills are you taking? Yeah, whatever I could get my fingers on, anything with opiates in it, you know, Percocet, uh, uh, Oxycontin, right. uh, whatever. You know, I mean, whatever it was that had, had opiates in it, I was going to take it. And you weren't mixing that with freebasing at all? That's interesting. No. Uh, How did you no, stop freebasing so much? I just stopped. I just, you know, <laughs> stopped doing it because yeah. it was just not going to, wasn't going to go over, you know. And then when I got into the pill thing, that was just all consuming, you know. And then you go to Betty Ford and uh, did you start like, is, is that where 12 step becomes interesting to you? When did, when did you get interested in that? Um, well, that was my like, God, let's see, fourth or fourth rehab or something like that. I went to rehabs over the time on and off, you know, just kind of like, you know, bam, throw me in there or, or, you know, I would just go in cause things were getting out of hand, go in for a little spin dry and then, you know, eventually go right back to what I was doing. Would never take, you know, but the Betty Ford took. Why? And, um, um, I was just at the time I was just ready to do it. You know, I had, there was a sense of hope and, and, you know, I met some really good people in there and, uh, I was in a good place in my life and, and, uh, I didn't want to fuck it up, you know, any more than I already had. And, uh, unfortunately that, uh, it all went out somebody just one day arbitrarily asked me, Hey, you want a Percocet? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it's like, then it was, that was it. I was off and running again. Was that on the road? No, it was at home. Who, who offered you the pill? Just somebody. Just some random guy, some random dude at a friend of mine's work. And he didn't just know. Just a really weird. No, he had no clue. Mm. He had no clue. And then you're like, "Fuck it, yeah. I could take a Percocet, right? I could." Yeah, I, I didn't even think. I didn't, didn't even think about it. It was just like, "Okay, nope." And I was like, "Oh man," you know. Was it off to the races from that? Oh, absolutely. It was doctor shopping then. You know. Mm. What? Like, that's back when you could go to different doctors and get the same prescriptions, you know, and go to different pharmacies and. Um, Phil, the same. That's before the computer. Everything was computerized, you know. Right. It was at the very end of that, probably. The very, yeah, at the very, the very end. end. The very scripts. end. Right. Crazy. Yeah. So how how bad was that? Like, if you're judging your your addictions, like through the years, was the 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 doctor shopping uh, opiate phase worse? Yeah, it was horrible. It was it was really bad. I mean, it was bad because I was doing that. Like, it was almost every day I was out going to a doctor. Were you just you know, eating the pills? Were you smoking them? Were you shooting them? Were you no, doing? I was eating them. I was just, I was just eating them. But I mean, I, I'd eat like, you know, um, uh, what the hell were those things called? Uh, oh God. Oh, I'd eat like 14 Norco at a time. That's right, yeah. The, the 10, three, the 10, three you know? And I mean, that was heavy duty, 14 of those things at once. You know I mean? And that was like twice a day. So I'd be blown through prescriptions, as you can imagine. You know, I, would, I used to have to get the big bottles of like, you know, 200 and some pills. You know, the doctors would, 
you know, it helped me out because they were like enamored with me. You know, I gave them, I'd always bring in like T-shirts and and pictures when I came in with them, the CDs, you know. Say, hey, it's for you, Doc, for your wall. You know, you know oh, all right, cool. What do you need? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, here you go. You know. And that was kind of so, like before they realized what this was, right? Yeah, that's before they caught on to the fact that I'm just a dope fiend looking for drugs, you know. Or, or just that everybody I mean, I became. Had legi- I had, legi- I had legitimate, you know, physical problems that I needed pain pills for. But how did you get hurt? I was totally abusing them. Um, I was throwing a, a big five-gallon bucket full of uh, mortar into a into a dumpster, and when I lifted it up to over my head, my back was twinged, mm. and I ended up uh, herniating a disc. So I had to have surgery for that, and it was. Really, really painful. How did you stop with the pills? How many times? Well, before um, before you even answer that, how many times did you go into withdrawal? How many times have I been in withdrawal? Yeah. Oh my God. Let's see. Good, probably good, good fifteen, twenty. Right. Over the years, you know. And you never went and copped heroin. Uh, no, I, I I've done heroin before, but it was never really a a a, a big thing. I knew I liked it too much. You know, I knew if I kept doing it, I was going to end up being a heroin addict, you know? Sure. Consider, considering everything you knew about yourself, I'm sure that was like definitely a fear. Yeah. In the I end, how did you stop? How did you stop with the opiates? Well, um, I met my wife, my current wife, and, um, you know, just eventually uh, just got off them, you know? Did you have to go in? Did you have to do another rehab to get off of them? No, I didn't. That's incredible. No, just got to a point in my life where it just wasn't making sense anymore, you know, and my body was too tore up from it. You know, was, I knew if I wanted to survive, it wasn't going to be a something I'd continue on with. And and what year? What year did you stop with the with the pills? Oh God! Um, it's like this is your life, Jack Russell. Um, you know, I really can't tell you over over five years ago. Well, the question is, when when that horrible fire happened, when the when the station fire happened, were you still getting high then? Um, yeah, no, no. Actually, I was just drinking. But after that happened, that's when things got really bad. You know, that's when things got really, really, really bad. And that's when um, uh, me and the, the the girl I was with at the time we we split up over that because I just couldn't. Uh, get myself together. And then I met my wife, my current wife and, uh, you know, with a lot of work and a lot of love and, and, you know, patience, you know, she, uh, eventually got me back on the right track. Yeah. That, cause that story is the saddest thing ever, which is that there was a fire in, uh, in Rhode Island at a club and a uh, hundred people, it was a terrible fire and a hundred people died. And, um, how, how difficult was that in your addiction? Like, how how much did that trigger you to to use? Um, you know, I never really thought about it until years later, and I realized that that was a direct result of my you know getting really really bad and really sick. You know, was because of that uh, the fire. You know, what I mean, it was just a uh, obvious thing for a place for an uh, for an alcoholic drug addict to go. You know, when you're in pain, what do you do? You know, you use. You know. Yeah, and I can't even imagine what kind of guilt you had involving that when obviously it's not your fault, but 
it's like when when a, no, when, but you still you still feel you still feel a sense of responsibility. I mean, even though you know it wasn't like a decision that I made and said, okay, yeah, let's let's make sure we use power tonight, even though it's not safe. You know, it wasn't my that's not wasn't my job. You know, I wasn't in charge of that. I had a guy that was paid to do that. No, your job you know, was to you know, sing and put on a show. And, uh, and it you was know, someone and I'm else. not trying to cast blame on him either because it, it was nobody's fault. It was an accident. I mean, you know, um, it was a horrible, tragic accident. And, uh, and there was no malice or intent behind it, you know, but there was uh, just some, some bad mistakes that were made, you know. Um, one, the, the, the club had the, you know, the illegal foam on the walls and, you know, the fire marshal never detected it, you know. Oh, this movie's about to come out. Uh, the Station Fire, America's yeah, it, just, it was actually actually just came out. It just came out. Uh, it was on reels, on the show reel, on the TV show, station reels. Does it fuck you up when this movie comes out and you relive it? Um, watching the watching the movie was documentary, or you want to call it. It was um, it was both painful, you know, and cathartic, you know, at the same time. I mean, it was, uh, you know, but it did take me right back to that spot. You know I mean? It was, uh, it was, uh, if I could do it all over again, I probably wouldn't watch it. Right. You know, just because it was just, just horrible, horrible memories, you know? Well, it's real trauma. And myself, it's real trauma. Yeah, and seeing myself at a place that, you know, I never, ever even imagined that would be at any point in my life, you know? And then looking at all the, the, the things that happened in my life, you know, as a direct occurrence, uh, as a direct result of that, you know? Yeah, and, uh, and how much of that did you have to work through in your recovery? Like how big um, of a theme was that? And, and I know you you worked twelve step. You did twelve step recovery. Was was that a big part of it? Um. Yeah. The forty came in my four step. It was. You know. I mean. It yeah. was It was pretty pretty huge. You know. Um. But that really helped uh, alleviate a lot of that as well. You know. <clears throat> Doing your fifth step. Yeah, purging that. You know. Yeah. Totally. Totally. What what brought you to twelve step? Like what what brought you to actual recovery? What was the end of it? Well, um, just I mean I knew where to go because I'd been there before and I knew what worked, you know. And either that was the only thing that's ever worked for me, you know what I mean? And then had any long lasting um, hold on on me, you know what I mean? And it just it just had to go back to where to where I knew it was going to help. You know, I knew it was going to fix the problem because I know I've 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 had I've I've had control over it before, you know. But it was basically just being a dry drunk, you know. You know, when, when I'm, I say I was sober, uh, a lot of the times I was just like when I got sober for the first time for eight years. You know I mean, I wasn't doing a program. You know what I mean? And I started out doing a program, but then I just got away from it and just decided I could handle it on my own. You know, and I did for a long time. I guess I just white knuckled it, you know. But uh, it was easy until, uh, you know, I, I reached that point in my life where I was, you know, really hurt. Um, and then I, 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 it was just too easy to go out. I had no, I had no uh, foundation, you know. Yeah, totally. And that's why having, having the 12 steps is so important. 
I mean, you have to have that foundation because if you don't, you know, you might you might get away with it for years and years and years, you know. But eventually, you know, you're going to falter, you know, and it's, 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 inev- it's inevitable, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I I know that I I still work a program. Um, I I have you know six and a half years, and I work a program, and uh, and I do it just I do it so I don't go crazy, really. I do it to try to stay as happy as possible. I do it. I do it just to like fucking move the crops around so I don't get caught right. up in, in something. When did uh when did it really take for you that you were like, holy shit, this is different. Like my life is different. Um, God, you know, there's been there's been there's been a few times in my life where I've had that feeling. I mean, where I've had that comfortable sobriety. Mm. Um. Sometimes when I was in the program, sometimes when I wasn't, you know, I just, I, I felt good in it. Um, but, you know, more recently, it was just, the, you know, the last time I, I got sober, you know what I mean? Um, this last time I got sober, I just was like, knew it was the end. Because I'm just, you know, I'm done. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm 61 years old and, you know, um, now, I mean, not when I got sober, but now I am in, but I look back and go, you know, God, all the years I wasted, all the, you know, all the crap I've done to my body, I'm paying for it now, you know. I have a lot of health issues and, and uh, you know, directly as a direct result of, of you know, my using. Well, you still sound great. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. Do you still, do you, do you feel like you still work a program? Oh, yeah, I do. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us about your program. Well, you know, I do my I do my twelve steps. I wake up in the morning and I, and I you know I meditate and you know I, I do what I'm supposed to do and I, and I'll uh, I'll do a four step every once in a while. Nice. You know? um, it's not really a hardcore program, but it's, I just try to use involve some of the, uh, the the elements of it and keep it in my life and always keep it in my rearview mirror. You know, and know I have that to, uh, to 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 rely upon. You know, things. You know, I still read the big book and and you know the traditions and. So it's uh, it's never far from me. There's always a book, and there's always a book on the coffee table, you know. Sure, and and like when you came from this ridiculous, uh, lifestyle of debauchery and and a scene of debauchery, like the the debauchery is is built into the scene. Were people coming to you to help them, or or, or looking to you when they saw that you got sober? Was that was that a a theme? Sure, sure. People people still do, you know, and I I try to help them as much as I can, you know. With the, you know, with the limited knowledge I have. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, you I, know, I mean, as much as I've been there, there's still so much I don't know, you know. And I know that uh, Jack Russell's Great White is going back on the road now, right? Yeah, we're on the road now. Yeah, we are. I just just got a couple of days off. I just got home actually uh, two days ago. How's the tour? Home on Sunday. So it's tripping going great, man. It's been absolutely fantastic. We're just uh. Just doing the weekend warrior stuff, you know. That's so cool. I gotta work so hard. Yeah, we just go out on the weekends and come home and spend a few days at home, and wash your socks, and go back out again. You know? Wow, nice. I appreciate it, man. I really, I appreciate your time. I appreciate oh, no your candor. Uh, do you do you have any other really fucked up story you'd like to tell the audience before you go? Because they love that shit. Um, you know what? I'd tell you, wait for the book. Oh yeah, the book the is gonna good. come out. Yeah, the book's coming out. Not not too much longer. I imagine probably a few months. But that means you're it's probably almost, sitting almost on like done. ten crazy stories, probably at your fingertips oh, right now. More than a million crazy stories. But yeah, I can't divulge too much. 
All right. All right. Well, you've divulged a lot and I really uh, appreciate your time. And, um, and, and like, how close were you involved in that movie, by the way? Um, uh, actually, uh, quite a bit, quite a bit. There was, um, you know, we worked on it. We filmed, I mean, initially it was going to be a documentary about my life. That's what it was going to be. And the fire, you know what I mean? And it ended up turning, thankfully, into uh, something more than that, something much bigger and much more, uh, much more profound. You know, it became something about, you know, more about the healing of music and, and people and how, you know, the, the strength people have, the inner strength. And, and it's just, you have to see it. It's, it's really, really well done. It's beautifully filmed. It's really well done. And it's, it's really, uh, it's done with a lot of sensitivity and, um, you know, keeping the victims and their families in, in mind, you know, and, and uh, I was really happy the way, with the way it came out. Yeah, I know? saw the trailer just before I, you called, and it was seemed very powerful and, uh, and, and, and very, you know, well done. Yeah, I haven't seen the trailer, and I don't know if, it, if it's the old trailer or if it's the new one that reflects the, uh, it, the, the, the movie that's out. I, th- I think it's 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 reflects what you're talking about. When did okay. when did the shift happen though? Because that's like a profound shift to over do- a period of time. It just kind of just kind of happened that way. Um, it's been. I mean, we started this thing years ago. I mean, many years ago. Like I don't know, maybe three years ago, maybe four years ago. And it was just going to be a straight doc about you. And then what what made the filmmaker be like it has to be about the fire more than about just- well no it was it was going to be about the fire that was it, it was going to be about me and the fire and and, and you know it, that, that was what it was going to be about it's my life and and about how the fire and you know what happened uh, through my life how i got to where i am and then about the fire happening and it was going to go on from there you know and uh, it, it 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 turned a corner and i said thankfully because you know it, it it, it doesn't need to be a documentary about Jack Russell's life, you know what I mean? And fire just, you know I mean? It, it's, it's, there's really no point, you know? Uh, I mean, a book, yeah. Documentary, no. But um, it, it's so much more than that, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm really happy to be a to be a part of it now at this point, you know? Totally. I, uh, I got to see it. it I think, yeah, it's really, it's really well done. You should check it out. It's called The Guest List, uh, America's, America's Deadliest Rock Concert, The Guest List. And it was uh, another thing on the reels. I'm not sure when they're going to air it again, but uh, you have to look that up. Yeah, I will look for it. And if you're ever, I know you're going to upstate New York next week, but uh, if you ever come downstate, you got to let us know and we'll do something. Right on. You got it. All right, that cool. That would be great. Jack, thank you so much for your time, man. I really hey, appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate it. Nice talking to you. You too. Have a great night, man. So that was the great Jack Russell from Great White who had a lot of fucking dopey, a lot of dopey there. would love to know what you guys thought of Jack Russell. Were you guys great white fans? Were you fans of his ridiculous um, stories like fucking the robbery or the cannabinol? Or just tell us what you think. Right now we are in for a treat. My dad has a lot to say, and he's gonna, we're going to call him up. He wants to come on the show. So stand by. Here comes my dad. Hello. Hello. So we're recording. The Dopey Nation is dying to hear from you. I've gotten some people who said you were their favorite part of the show. Oh, really? 
which person was that? Was one know. person? Somebody said that. I forgot her name. Some some some, oh. some woman said that. So that's nice, right? Yeah, that's very nice. Very nice. And I know yeah, you, so you, you, you know, you yeah. missed predicting the seven millionth download. You, you, that was your fault. You did not give me a heads up at all about how close it was. I have to know some kind of information to make a guess. Well, you're you're you far know. out from the eighth million. So, what is your prediction for the eighth million? Eighth million. All right. So let's say let's say don't don't, can... don't reveal any information that you have. Oh, just, I just just I just just, give out... just give a guess. I mean, I shouldn't give out the math needed to do an accurate prediction. Okay, so I'm going to predict. Today is March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. This is when you're recording this to me. And I will say the 8 million is going to be, uh, I was going to say, February 20th, 2023. That's a terrible and, guess, but you heard it here first. You want to hear something interesting, Dan? I'll change the guess, but lots interesting. Last night, uh, Nora was struggling with her mathematics. It was uh, statistics and percentages and all this stuff, and it was late. Yeah. And uh, we were really struggling, and uh, I didn't know how to do it either. And somehow we, we stayed up late doing it, and it didn't feel like we were learning anything. But somehow yeah. uh, she learned it, and she got 100 on the test today. Fantastic. Right. Oh, good. Uh, I called I, I, you. Where were you last night? Oh, I, we, we were at a theater seeing uh, The Doll's House Part Two, which was a pretty wordy show that uh, was a little difficult. But anyway, it was worth going. Yeah, I was at this theater what sitting in the front row. What is that? Ibsen? Ibsen sequel? Ibsen, yes. Yeah, exactly. Remember, remember that the a woman stayed at, uh, at at Grammy Rose's apartment who starred in that. No, uh, in the Roundabout Theater. No, I remember nothing. Now, oh, right. now yes. listen. Okay. There's a lot of stuff happening with you. First of all, how is your health? How is the knee? Well, I think after they discovered every single body part I had was not working, uh, it, I think I'm on the mend. I think it's getting a little bit better. I don't have any pain pretty much during the day. Only at night uh, it's hard to sleep with a little bit of pain. But I think the knee is getting better. I think the arthroscopic surgery, I, I'm saying it's, it's going to work. I hope it's going to work. And uh, so I'm feeling much better. So thank you, everybody. I am feeling better. Do you feel like everybody's prayers and, 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 and good wishes helped your, your surgery? Uh, I'm I'm gonna say yes. That's a good yes. good answer. And there's a big announcement on the horizon, correct? Oh uh, yes, yes. I heard back today from the from the lawyer. Yes, I did. You want me to make the announcement? Make the announcement. All right, uh, Dopey Nation. The Dopey Foundation Inc. is official. It has been approved by New York State. And it's now pending a tax ID number and all sorts of other stuff. So it cannot officially go into operation, but it exists. In other words, no one else in the universe took the Dopey Foundation name uh, at all. So, And it is now with New York State as an official not-for-profit uh, charity, the Dopey Foundation. And uh, so, yeah, it's official. Amazing. Very nice. Very nice. Hold on, actually. Hold on. All right. That's great. And so that means if anybody wants to volunteer to help the Dopey Foundation, that would be good. What are we going to do? What is the Dopey Foundation going to do? 
We're going to send more people to rehab. We're basically going to try to be outreach for our community. We're trying to, you know, help get Narcan training out there, help get fentanyl testing out there, help set up more peer-to-peer helping. And just like, basically, I want the Dopey Foundation to somehow, and this is my grandiose notion, to somehow be a beacon for addicts in trouble, that an addict in trouble can contact the Dopey Foundation and maybe the Dopey Foundation could do something for the addict. What do you think, Dad? No, I think it's great. And not not only that, but you have the the whole Dopey Nation, all all the wonderful people out there could really be part of this in terms of of, of, of making it a, a big success because I, I mean, I was reading about uh, so much help that the Dopey Nation is giving, giving to other members, you know, right now. So this, you know, this could be in very, you know, more, more, you know, bigger in terms of so many people involved, not only, you know, not just you or me, but uh, we have, you know, over 8,000, 9,000. I don't know how many people would, would could be involved with uh, promoting it. Well, that's like only that. the people yeah. on the Facebook group, too. I mean, the, the, the audience yeah, exactly. is bigger. So if you're out there yeah. and you would like to contribute, not money, maybe eventually no, money, can. but if you'd, like to, yeah. if you'd like to get involved with the Dopey Foundation, send in an email to dopeypodcast at gmail.com, and uh, let's see what we can do with this thing. And... And you've been perusing. You're always you're always lurking out there in the Dopey Nation Facebook group, aren't you, Dad? Are you are you referring to me? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, because you never post, you never comment, you never like anything, but you're always really up on everything that's happening. I am. Yeah, I I, I am. So wait, hold on, hold on. Would you say you're yeah. lurking out there then? I don't like that term. No, what would I am you say? Not lurking. I'm being curious and interested. Yeah. Yes. And okay, so this is our new segment. What's going on in Dopey Nation Facebook, Dad? That's the new segment. So tell us, Dad, what's going on in Dopey Nation Facebook, Dad? Well, you know, I'm not very good at names and, and remembering, but I think uh, Jake from in England uh, was Justin. Given Justin. Uh, okay. Okay. Good. You, you have to correct me. So Justin uh, lost his tools, was robbed, and the, the Dopey Nation uh, actually got tools for for Justin. I mean, you know, that's fantastic kind of stuff. Yeah, it's very nice. Uh, Justin England, and he also just got a dopey tattoo, which is very exciting. The dopey tattoo is very important. So thank you, Justin. And congratulations on getting the tools. And thank you for being such a great support of the show. And what else is going on on Dopey Nation Facebook, Dad? Well, I don't know if it was on Facebook, but there's this guy. I think his name is Peter. No, it's James. Oh, James with a D at the end, something like that? Yes, and it is on Dopey Nation Facebook. Where else would it be? Where else are you lurking out there? All right, anyway, so he, you know, he's been writing you know, some controversial stuff that get, get people upset, etc. I, th- I think everybody has to calm down because he really loves the show. He, he loves it. You're doing a great job. He and just he, he complimented you. You're so... You're no, so you're, this is, give me a break. No, you're I, so, I, this no. is classic, typical you. No. He says <laughs> he says something nice about you, and you're all of a sudden enamored with him, this rabble rouser. No, uh, excuse me, time out, time out. What he quoted me on was something that I did say, and then he put a bad interpretation on it, you, he said he Howie, said that you said true. he said that you said that Howie is bad for the show and he I agreed with you. He said, "Look at Dave's dad agrees with me." And then I did. And I told Howie and he's beside himself. Yeah, exactly. You see, this is where your misinformation and and poor information 
and rotten information is causing me trouble. I never said that Howie was bad for the show. Never. That's, that's not all. I said he didn't, he did not understand the daily reflections in terms of from the quote, uh, addicted side. That's all I said. He also so, agreed with you that Jay was obnoxious. Yeah. Well, I thought so too. I mean, I'm not taking that back. Well, I, mean, I love that kid. I love Jay. His, his stuff is not exactly, uh, in my opinion, a wonderful idea. This no. week he said that the last dopey guest was, uh, was not sincere. Yeah, well, I disagree with uh, what his name is, James. I disagree with him. No, I thought the guest was really very, very good. And just because he worked for politicians doesn't mean that he's a bad person. Uh, if, if the world would ever get better is if we had good politicians. So I, I, I'm saying he's doing good things. I thought he was good. All right. Well, there you go. And that's, yeah. and that's what's happening in the Dopey Nation, Dad? Well, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I think uh, uh, David Mascolani had a birthday or something, and he was very happy with, with people, you know, uh, reaching out to him. Uh, it was, you know, good stuff. Look at uh, you enjoying enjoying the Dopey Nation. That's great. I, well, of course, because, listen, it came, it came from, from, from you and Chris. I mean, it, it came out of, uh, out of a virtual universe, and all of a sudden you have all these people that are, really joining together. I mean, it's amazing. It really is. All right, we should keep moving on. You want me to read something? Is that what you asked me to do? You want to read reviews? Well, I have, I mean, they're not very good ones here. But There's no good reviews? Good. Well, there are. They, they're good, you know. Uh, you just don't mean uh, they're particularly well-written. No, I mean, uh, they're not going to cause any controversy or they're not going to be, you know, mind-bending, but it's they're very nice. There's a from fun podcast by X, like XXXX with a thousand O's. And it says, hi, hi, I'm a 68-year-old woman who loves this podcast. I have stories. Maybe I will share. And then she says her name is Norma. So that's very sweet. So thank yeah. you. Thank you, Norma. Why don't you send in a voicemail? Mm -hmm. Send in a voicemail. We would love a 68-year-old dopey story. Um, you want? you have any more you want to read? Well, there's another one that said, uh, it says funny, sad, honest, five stars by Chris, Christy Cat. Way better stories than in my 12-step fellowship meetings. Wherever you are in recovery or not, give Dopey a listen. So that was, that was a nice one also. That's nice. That is very good. Um, so we need more reviews. Do you want to read the one-star fucking Joey Pepper shit or no? Absolutely not. No, come on. The guy puts it on. Uh, I, I don't even see it here, so I'm not even looking for it. Uh, no, that's that's not necessary. I mean, he certainly hasn't changed anything. I uh, wish you were he, here because I could get you to. I could trick you into reading the privileged white male review. But uh, you know that you know that's not going to happen. Please, if you were here, you'd no, be re you'd I, be reading I, I, it right now. No. I, no, I, I have been fooled too many times, and I am not going to, down that I path I should have again. texted it to you and <laughs> told you to read it. <laughs> no, it's not happening. No. All right. Well, this has been a wonderful segment with you, Dad. Uh, yeah. Is there anything you want to say to the... Oh, you know, after we're done, I'm going to... Uh, you remember Charlotte, who uh, had one of the first Dopey scholarships? Oh, yeah, yeah. We did a check-in with Charlotte, and we're gonna we're gonna go straight to that from you. So, is there anything uh, else you'd like to add before we go to Charlotte? No, I'm all. You know, I always say, stay healthy, everybody, and uh, and kudos for Chris, and uh, and give my best to Charlotte and uh, everybody else who's being helped. 
Uh, and again, everybody stay healthy. You used to yeah. say stay safe, which might have been better than stay healthy. But whatever. Well, what are you going to do? The, 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 uh, this this uh, what do you call it? the epidemic thing? I, again, there's a little bit of uh, problems in Europe and China. I don't know if it's over yet. And everybody just try to be aware of what's going on. What's your take? What's your take on China joining in this Russian situation? Well, I listen. The Russian situation is a total disaster. It just shows you how how close the world is is, is to stupidity and uh, anarchy. How one person can cause so much damage, and it should be a lesson to all of the leaders of all these other countries that this idea of war doesn't solve any problem whatsoever. And I hope China understands that. I don't know what their latest thing is, but it seems that the epidemic, the COVID, is starting up in China, and all of a sudden you're seeing the price of gasoline going down because they're closing down everything, so demand for gas is getting less. I hope China gets their head together and, and understands that war is not an option. Ray Brown, uh, and, Ray Brown thinks China is going to invade Taiwan next. Well, that's what they should see what Russia is doing and see what a disaster it would be if they did that uh, in terms of disaster for Taiwan and for China. Uh, so I don't think I, if there's a, a lesson to be learned, I think the lesson should be that Putin has made a terrible mistake. And of course, the mistake is at the hands of all those poor people who are dying because of his stupidity. Um, the fact that Ukraine could be an independent country not good enough for him is a, is a stupid reason for invasion. Uh, it was absolutely stupid it's because of the incredible amount of hardship it's causing. Do you so see, do you this, see yeah. this war ending with diplomacy? Do you think Putin has to get executed, or do, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think it's going to end with diplomacy, and I hope it ends with a, a peace where Ukraine stays as a U, as a Ukraine nation and Russia is not involved with it and that maybe down the road down the road uh, the problem that the Russians felt because of Putin's actions I hope would maybe make some changes in Russia like get rid of the guy all right all right um, all right en enough about enough about the world stage I think it's right. important that uh, we stay on top of such a disaster in the world and and you know the suffering is out there which is yeah. um which is real you know but i think for a lot of people they get distracted with things like that and they and they use drugs or they give up their program or they get depressed and i think it's important to uh do what you can to help people out there but it's also very important to stay focused on what you're doing here absolutely that's 100 percent correct excellent yes well thank you and thank you dad thank you for your your new segments i think you were fantastic Really, oh, really indeed. nice work. How about the Knicks? Speaking of fantastic, you see they just won finally. Yeah, remember the question: Are they going to make the playoffs? What's the answer? The answer is no, but uh, maybe they'll get a good pick. Yeah. Maybe they'll get yeah. a good pick. Now there's there's your phones ringing, so I guess that'll be yeah, the good. end of this. Let's go, let, huh? I said tradition. That's good. All right, let's go. Let's go to Charlotte in uh, in Turnbridge. Uh, Connecticut? No, Mass. She's in Connecticut. She's at a sober house uh, from Turnbridge Recovery, who gave us a scholarship to give to Charlotte. So let's go to Charlotte. Thanks, Dad. Okay. All right. Bye, bye. Bye. Dope, 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 
Plus a check-in with a dopey legend and longtime listener and one of the first Toodles for Chris scholarship recipients. Her name is Charlotte. She went to Turnbridge. Welcome back to the show, Charlotte. Hi. Nice to see you. Isn't it nice to see each other the first time? It's nice. It's so nice. Yeah, it feels like we've known each other for a long time. So having a like quasi face-to-face meeting is feels new. It is, right? I, I remember, Charlotte, uh, You, we had gotten you the, the scholarship to Turnbridge, and you were, like, flying. You were flying to Connecticut from Texas? Where were you flying from? Yeah, from Texas. And, like, the plane landed somewhere, and, like, there was a snowstorm, and they put you in a motel room, right? What was the story? So they did some kind of emergency landing in Florida. And then I had to get on a different plane to Connecticut and Hartford. And then it was too late for someone to come get me. So I was just in a motel overnight. I remember I was like terrified you were going to relapse in the motel and smoke meth. And God knows what could have happened on the night before the scholarship. And also I remember I was, I was, working for cats is we were in philadelphia doing a carving event driving back through new jersey when i called you and i was like don't do anything stupid charlotte and you were like i won't and that was and that was before yeah i thought about it i thought about doing something dumb like oh it's my last night i should go drink or something but it just i had already kind of tapered you know in my mind what tapering was um, off of alcohol and I just didn't, it just seemed like such an effort to like go somewhere and do something. And I was trying to, uh, I was trying to like really honor the opportunity in front of me. So I didn't, I just stayed put. Well, you did a good job and here we are. How long, how long, how much time you have? Two years, two years Fuck. on the 20th. Two years on March 25th? Oh uh, no, two years on February 21st. Right. So you've got two years plus. So you just celebrated mm-hmm. two years. And uh, how are you doing? This is the big dopey check-in. I'm doing well. I'm So actually, I, will send, I was just looking through my phone today, and I'll send you a picture of my check-in. It looks so wild. Like, I look crazy. Um, for, not check-in. From when I yeah checked into Turnbridge, it's like night and day. Um, I'm still staying put, so I'm in the Turnbridge Sober House now, which is called Thrive. And um, yeah, I'm doing, like my life is definitely so different. I'm definitely a lot happier, and I'm working a normal job, so that makes my mom happy. Uh, not nice. Actually, steroids or doing some weird side hustles. So yeah, like I have a normal-ish life now, and that's great. You're not selling steroids. Are you doing any steroids? No, so I never really did any steroids. You were a crazy <laughs> gym person, though, right? Yeah, well, I wasn't then, though. I was just like a crazy malt liquor person then, like just a regular white trash person. But I, 
like I wasn't going to do the steroids because I knew the kind of people who made them, me, and it, they were shady as fuck. So I was not going to take those, you know? Yes. But I did weird stuff. Like I took like, I took tanning injections. I told you about that, right? And, I, and then I had all these like cancerous moles start growing. And I took, um, like I tried to like do damage control uh, with all my drinking. So I would, I was taking like weird injectable like horse drugs, like B12 and glutathione, like not steroids exactly, but I was still trying to like play pharmacist with my health. Was that in the last two years? No, that was before I got here. So none of that, nobody, the tanning shit was in sobriety or not in sobriety? That was all before, that was all when I, all before I got here. I don't do any weird stuff like that. So what's the, what's the bet? Like how consistent are you in your program? What's your program like? We'll start with that. We'll start with the good stuff. So my program is okay. I um, go to meetings like once or twice a week, but I'm like it's two years and I'm stuck on my fourth step. Oh, God. I have a part where it's like, I'm stuck on the, uh, like the sexual inventory and what I did to hurt other people. Which so why is- are you stuck on that? I don't know. I just don't like doing it. Just do it. I, I don't think I, I think I did my, my fourth step in my second year or maybe even my third year. But uh, all you have to do is start doing it. You know what I'm saying? Just take out a piece of paper and start writing it down. And then when you're just, done, what? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, but what, like, are you, don't, you can interrupt me whenever you want. Are you, are you afraid? Are you ashamed? Like what's blocking you? Are you just procrastinating? I, don't I don't like cognitively know I don't have like awareness of what it is I just don't like to write like I don't like to sit down and write it out and then I think that's my issue but then I'll like be then I'll be like okay well I'll type it out and I'll start typing on my phone and I'll be like I don't like this either and what like and I never really identify what the block is except that like it's uncomfortable and um yeah I really want to get it done though because I'd like to move out of here this summer and I don't want to I'd like to make some headway in my program before that. Well, check it out. It's like, the funny thing is, all you have to do is do it. You know what I mean? It's like, you've told some fucked up stories on Dopey. I'm sure you've told a million people a lot of the things. I'm sure you trust your sponsor. You just need to, like, push yourself. Like, and, and it's not, it's, I don't think, it's like a lot of people do their fourth and fifth step and they're, like, totally transformed. I didn't have that experience. I, I And I did my fourth and fifth step twice. I had the experience of like, I do it because I want to get to the next place and I don't want to have anything standing in my way from the next place. And I don't want to make a big deal about it. I mean, I have a big mouth. So like I told, I I had told somebody just about everything on my fourth step before I ever told my sponsor, but, and maybe that's why it wasn't some like epiphany thing, but like, I, th- I mean, I don't know. We, this is not me giving you fucking guidance shit, but just do it. Cause then you'll be like, I did it and it's over. It's done. Like I want to get to the next step. And I am just terrified that if I leave, I'm afraid that like, if I don't do the work and then I leave here and I live on my own, I'm like, I feel like, like I know where I was before I got here and I never want to be there again. So I'm afraid. <laughs> I think like, I think that when I was drinking, I was just like, Everybody deserved anything that I did, and I'm not sorry. And when I think about the stuff I did, I'm like, God, that was terrible. I don't want to think about that again. And I have a hard time maybe taking accountability for being such a jerk, you know? 
just do it. I'm, I I can't excavate your action and force you to do anything, but you should just fucking just do it. It's going to be good. It's going to give you another piece of insurance when you leave. Just please just just do it. All right. Enough. Enough. Sure. enough. That's where I'm at with that. That's where you know, uh, your mom sent me this here. I'm, I, I might unplug, but I want to show you this thing. Okay. I'm sure you've seen it, but my earphones are in, so I'm like fucking. Ugh, excuse me. Charlotte's mother painted this thing. Did you know I that? I love that. Yeah. I knew and that. He, he looks like uh, what's his face? Uh, Cool Keith, Fat Elvis, the old hip hop artist, Cool Keith, the dopey head. Looks like him. Um, now Charlotte, what are the worst things you've done in your recovery? Because we are not all saints. Like, what do in you think you've been? Huh? In my recovery? Yeah. Oh my What's gosh. the, like, 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 what is a habit that you've held on to that you wish you hadn't held on to? General toxicity. General toxicity. Like, I was in this toxic relationship that was just, like, so bad. And I would, like, I, like, <laughs> got into, I, like, hacked into all of his social media and his phone nice. to see who he was texting, which, of course, he was cheating on me. But, like... Horrible. And then I would, yeah, and just continue to like monitor what he was doing and then call him and be like crazy about it. So I think, you know, so that wasn't my proudest moment. But um, yeah, just I think general relationship toxicity is the bad habit that I brought into sobriety. Well, these things are easy to fall into and they're easy to change. They're all easy to change. Now, we do a segment we like to call Behind the Dope which is basically a dopey story. And I know you have a million that you haven't told. So would you mind sharing one with us? Yeah. So this, I wanted to share my um, no insurance to getting kicked off of Tinder to selling antibiotics pipeline with you. Okay. Okay. So um, when I was active, um, there was, I went to New Orleans for Mardi Gras with my friends and it happened to be when like there was Mardi Gras and all-star weekend crossover. And like, it was just so busy. We were there for three weeks. Everyone was drinking, but it was super swampy. Um, just like a super like alcohol induced, like party, like hot, disgusting time. And, um, while I was there, I was drinking a lot, not taking great care of myself, and I got a UTI. And I didn't have health insurance at the time, but um, we were near Tulane University, and I was told by I was given good advice that Tinder is not necessarily great for dating, but it's great for like everything else. So I was like, okay, there's a medical school close by. Um, I'm just going to get on Tinder and see if I can get some antibiotics. So, so manipulate through your, through your photography to get some, some vulnerable young med student to give you medicine. Totally. Yeah. Okay. okay. I didn't have that manipulative. I just put on my profile, like unironically looking for antibiotics. And I'm and sure he, know, okay. So what happened? Yeah. 
So the guys who couldn't give me antibiotics were like, you can't do that here and like reported me. But within 30 minutes, someone who could prescribe antibiotics, some like resident somewhere was like, what's your nearest Walgreens? And I got antibiotics, but I also got permanently banned off of Tinder. Um, but then like, I just, it was so stressful for me to acquire that. Then I went home and like, along with like my steroids and my little peptides and my tanning injections and all my closet full of like weird stuff. Wait, hold up, like, hold up. The guy, the resident who actually wrote the script, did you date him? Mm -hmm. No, I never met him. Like I never met him. I never had his phone number, like literally only through Tinder is where we can, how we communicated and he just got my name and information. And I don't even know if he was a resident or a nurse practitioner or like what his job was. He was just like, okay, I'll help you. Because he knew you needed the help. Do you think it was just like him, be, like following the Hippocratic oath basically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. He knew that, you know, yeah. Like, and the thing was, there was a lot of, there was like a couple of people who were let who were offered the same thing it was just whoever got me the antibiotics first and but but he didn't win anything all he did was like hook it up and you got better the uti was resolved you never spoke to him again yeah there was no negotiation he was just like i got you and i was like thanks nice so then tinder could you imagine him wanting to hook up with someone with the uti anyway though it's like and he's just assuming that that's what i had like i could have been like you know, who, if, you, if a girl needs antibiotics, she might not be the first choice to try and like. I know, but Tinder is a dark place, you know, and I th <laughs> and people like have like, you know, they they they're gross. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think like if you're on Tinder and a woman needs antibiotics, I think most guys would be like, do you want to get you want to get some coffee after this clears up or something and get a drink? <laughs> no. After you're not infected with something. Yeah. Once the antibiotics kick in, why don't we get a drink or something? Yeah. No. no, he wasn't. Not like that. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't spark his interest. So then what happened? Where were you, where were you going? So yeah, that was, it kind of like triggered my, um, I don't know. I just like, it, like I just started like getting this need to, I manifested this weird, like need to always have, uh, like a pharmacy of sorts of my own. So Someone told me that should that ever happen? Oh, you know what it was? It was somebody on Tinder was like, hey, like I'm not a doctor. But what a lot of preppers do, like doomsday preppers, is they buy fish antibiotics, which are the same as people antibiotics, and they keep them in case of emergencies. Wait, hold so on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Who prescribes antibiotics to fish and what do fish need antibiotics for? I don't know. Well, Fish antibiotics? I've never heard of such a thing. Hold that, hold that. I said this was in the past, but I still have some just in case. Oh my so, god! Yeah. They're Did antibiotics for 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 goldfish. Let me see the cover of that bottle. <laughs> That's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Okay, so to explain. Well, if it's good enough for the doomsday peppers, it's good enough for me. And you got it before you got kicked off of Tinder. Uh, no, I, no, I got, I'm sure I got kicked off of Tinder then. And then after I went home to Texas, I was like, I never want to be unprepared again. Cause like I didn't have insurance. None of my friends had insurance. So I just got like every brand of antibiotic that you could. And I kept them in my closet. I still have some around just in case, you know? And then I started selling them to my friends cause my friends didn't have insurance either. So if my friends. I had a friend who, like, every time she had sex, she thought she had chlamydia, and she just, like, refused to use a condom. So she would, 
like all the time be like, hey, do you have any erythromycin biotin? And I was like, yeah, I got you. And then I had a friend who had acne. So she used antibiotics as birth control, kind of, in a weird sort of way. Yeah, yeah, preventative. Yeah, she just was not going to use condoms. So she came to me. But I didn't let her know that they were fish antibiotics. Because they look like regular I don't think that, I, I, Charlotte, I don't think that fish antibiotics are a thing. It doesn't make sense to me. Who buys antibiotics? I guess if your fish is like turning colors or your gills are bad, like what would make somebody get antibiotics for the fish? Can you read me the bottle? Bacteria. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. For, no, that makes sense. Use, this product is intended for exclusive use with ornamental fish and ornamental organisms. I mean, I'm not not an ornamental organism. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's I'm included under that umbrella. For those allergic to antibiotics, wear gloves when handling. But like, as <laughs> as the doomsday pepper told me, they look exactly the same because they're probably from the same place and for the same thing. So amazing. And and what? How did you wind up getting antibiotics from the doomsday prepper? If your Tinder hookup was gone, what connected you? So I didn't get them from that guy. He told me that like you just buy them and from like a, like pet supply companies. Amazing. So I, I've been talking about this all day and it's going to be on the show tonight, but you know, we have this cat that sprays our bed all the time. So Linda like went to the vet and the vet prescribed the cat Xanax. Linda went to the fucking Rite Aid and they gave her a bottle of liquid Xanax like this. Like we have what? like a hundred milligrams of liquid Xanax. Don't tell anyone in the sober house. I shouldn't even be talking about this. Um, but yeah, it's like, isn't that crazy? That's so crazy. Isn't that weird? It's just it's like so likely that they can do that. But I mean, then again, I, I mean, I guess I'm taking fish. Fish antibiotics seems more unlikely, but yeah, it just seems like they shouldn't be giving out liquid Xanax. Not for a cat. Cause then also the cat gets addicted. The cat will have seizures. If you miss a day, the cat will have a seizure. It's like crazy. It's a crazy. Oh, yeah. And then what if the cat gets aggressive? Like I took Xanax a couple of times because I had, I thought I had, I don't know, I did have anxiety. And then I took it two or three days in the in a row. And then the next day when I didn't take it, I felt like I was having a panic attack. Like I thought I was going to die. Like that's how quickly it was for me. So I can't imagine with a cat, like, what if he gets really aggressive and crazy on the, when he doesn't have it? The cat is already fucking totally crazy. I really like your fish antibiotic story. And I think my favorite thing about it is it's antibiotics for fish. I think that's great. Fish I, I think, and other ornamental creatures. Or, ornamental organisms. And, and I think that's great. I think <laughs> we'll leave you. it there. Um, so we say stay strong. Oh, well, hold on. Before we go... Let's thank Turnbridge. Thank Justin. Okay. Pretty incredible. And and mm-hmm. the Dopey Foundation is starting up this spring, which I expect you to be a big part of in our peer-to-peer lattice of support that you're going to be peer-peering with people. Okay? Yes. All right, cool. Um, all right. Thanks, Charlotte. That was awesome. Is that fun for you? Yeah, it was fun. All right, cool. Howie, do you have a good time too? Yes. All right, great. We all had a good time then. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. But before we go, I just want to uh, thank Charlotte. I want to thank my dad. I want to thank the great Jack Russell. I want to thank Howie for uh, recording 
the Charlotte segment. We have video of that that's going to go up on Patreon like today. Fucking YouTube soon enough. Please subscribe to YouTube. Please join Dopey Patreon. Um, Dopey Patreon inches me away to my dream of not working at Katz's. And Dopey YouTube inches us closer toward a video world. I don't know how so little of you watch Dopey YouTube. There's so many Dopey listeners and there's so few Dopey YouTube viewers. So please watch there. Please buy gear at DopeyPodcast.com. We have the Praying Mantis new hoodie. We have the fucking King Baby Dopey. We have new shit coming out for spring. Dopey Buddha coming out for spring. Be on the lookout. Stay strong, my brothers and sisters out there in and out of recovery. And fucking toodles for Chris. Oh, yeah. And the other thing is that that guy James hates the fucking uh, Good So Bad covers. It's a hot take. James says the only good so bad cover that's any good is Jake's from uh, from uh, West Virginia. And he likes my version, which is very nice. So thank you for that, James. I guess I'm going to finish with Jake from West Virginia for Angry James. All right. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Fucking toodles for Chris. What's up, Dave and Chris? My name's Jake. I'm 25 years old from West Virginia. I just found Dopey about two weeks ago, and it's my favorite podcast of all time y'all are hilarious and it's just gotten me through some really hard times and though I'm not clean myself you know it gives me a lot of hope for the future um I really like Dave's song and I'm gonna do a little cover of it here on my banjo hope y'all don't mind too much I wrote a uh, third verse myself sorry about the poor quality it's just on my phone uh, sorry about the banjos. Things hard to keep in tune. <clears throat> Wanna take a walk around the world. Wonder would it do me any good. Till I get some honey in my pockets, and I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. I wanna be good so bad Wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Wanna take a ride up in the sky Watch as airplanes just pass me by And I wanna see a Jet liner take a dive Just to show all of these people What it means to be alive I wanna be good so bad I wanna be so good So bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had Him burned out basement Listening to the dopey show Home friends I had her on this little radio I keep checking on my pulse because it feels like I might die But the thought straightening up sounds so much better when you're high And I wanna be good so bad I wanna be so good, so bad, so bad I wanna be good so bad 
desire's all I ever had. y'all hear this makes it through the uh, big inbox emails feel free to play a clip on the show if you want to if not i know it kind of sucks all right uh really appreciate it thanks y'all